Welcome to Writers Talking TV, sponsored by the Writers Guild of Canada. I'm Jill Golick, here with Philip Vukovic, and we're asking ourselves, why does it always rain the night we record this podcast? Well, we're hoping tonight's guest, Cherry Elwood, will arrive dry and in good spirits because we've got a lot of questions to ask her about her new series, Call Me Fitz. We're very excited because there's just no word about your new show. I mean, except good word. But so can you just give us like the, the little pitch? Tell us what the show is about. Well, uh, it's a show we made for uh, Pay Cable, and it's called Call Me Fits. And it's about a morally bankrupt guy who is forced to go into business with his conscience. It's really simple buddy comedy. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. it. Okay, so now let's let's talk about how the show started. Um, where, what's the genesis of it? Where'd the idea come from? When did you have this idea? Well, um, I had it. I had it years and years ago. I was out for lunch with my grandmother one day, and my my brother is a bit of a character. And she said, "You know that that boy's never going to get his shit together unless he goes for lunch with his conscience one day." And I was like, "Ding." That's a good one. So I wrote it up and put it in the no drawer. No credit to your grandmother? She's yeah. She, uh, no. no. To, God rest her soul. No, well, my first my first movie, um, which was a very a weepy romantic drama, she watched it and in true Annie form said, it wasn't very funny. <laughs> so she would be very pleased that hopefully this is funny. Um, so it sat in a drawer uh, for a while with, you know, a zillion other of my... T- TV ideas, and uh, I uh, was signed by a management company, Robin Meisinger, who's here in the audience. She came, uh, and uh, she said, "You know, of all your ideas, this is this is the great one. This is this is the one that you care about the most. This is the one that keeps popping up, and uh, this is the one you need to write." So I wrote it really just as my comedy spec, because okay, so you wrote the you wrote the pilot, but a pilot is my comedy spec as yeah. a comedy spec, and it opened a trillion doors for me and uh you know people really liked the script and then they'd come back with the comment but your lead character's not very likable could you just soften him <laughs> up a little bit and what about this conscience guy that's not going to be in every episode is it and so it was it was uh kind of a thing you know do you do you want to make the show and not make it properly or mm. you know i've done that before also i've had my heart broken a few times so this was the one that i didn't want to screw up too badly um, and I hooked up with Taza Lawrence and Mike Souther from Amaze, right in the front, in the who, row. yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> who am I going to love to work with, and who's going to let me make my show the way I want to make it? And Taza and Mike were the perfect fit. So I was able to gather a, a team of, uh, you know, faithful partners to uh, help push this into production. And, okay, yeah. so when did you when did you go to the network? I mean, did you go to more than one? I mean, how, what, what was the pitching of this like? Well, you know, we were in a good position because we had a a strong pitch document and a pilot script to show, Mm -hmm. and that was uh, a pretty good calling card. I mean, it really kind of said it all. And um, so, uh, what was in this pitch document? What was in the pitch document? Um, Page and a half of what the theme and purpose of the show was. Written very funnily. Uh-huh. Um, characters, character uh-huh. descriptions. Um, it, it was it was really really simple. It was mm-hmm. very simple. There were probably about six episode ideas, none of which made it into the series. We've done thirteen episodes, and not one of those okay. made it. So uh, when did you, so what was the first stage of development? Like who your who your network is? TMN, TMN. Movie Central. Yeah, yeah probably. Um, uh, what was the first stage? Well, they, they read the script, and they, they really, they, they, they responded surprisingly quickly. Taze and Mike took it to them, and they responded almost immediately. They really liked the script. And then uh, they seemed, they take their time in kind of deciding about things. But they put us into development for the first round of development almost immediately. And so so I wrote a couple more, two more scripts. Two more scripts. Yeah, we put a very small room together, just two people, um, two other people, and... Uh, I wrote one more, so we developed some ideas, sort of arced the season out in a very broad strokes kind of way, 
Um, I wrote one more script, um, two more scripts. So we had three. Three. Three and drafts. Did, don't pilot? Did you pilot it? Nope. No pilot. No. So how long after that did you get the series order? Really quickly. Six months. Six Maybe six months. months. It was quick. That really is quick. fast, yeah. Does anyone want to ask anything at this point? They want me now, right? Okay. So, um, okay. So, so was there a Bible or just that first pitch document? Yeah, I kind of I kind of turned the pitch document into a – I added a couple more pages and called it a Bible. Called it a Bible. But it was really the same document. Okay. Yeah, that we still use. So what did you bring? And no one ever reads. I don't think anyone's ever actually read it. It's got a very fancy cover page, though. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what did you bring to show us? We brought uh, the pilot, which uh, um, it's it's a funny thing when, when you're showing the show for the first time and no one's seen it because our network found out about it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so when Jill called and said, yeah, it's a couple writers, we get together, and we just show it's really informal, and then they, they found out about it on Facebook, and they, they're like, uh, Sherry, what, what's, what's your, your screening the pilot that we haven't even seen the mix of? We haven't seen the final. We just, we literally just mixed it today, the pilot. Um, and I don't even know if all our fixes and changes are in it. No one is, the network hasn't seen, they said, okay, we well, don't have to cancel, but just, just so you know, so uh, they were... Um, yeah, it's, it's it's not finished. It's not finished. Did I say it's not finished? And no one can talk about it uh -uh. outside of this room. Otherwise, uh, I'll make you sit and watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's the first episode. Anything? Yeah. You know what? There's actually there's a two minute uh, a sizzle reel on the on the top of this tape because because um, uh, we like it and uh, it's our little demo that we're taking to MIP and we just stuck it on there because it's fun and then it's the pilot. Okay. Yeah, which is unfinished. <laughs> <laughs> Any other setup? Um, you know, it's it's fun. It's funny with a with a pilot because it's the document that you carry around. It's the one that you you writ, wrote a few years ago and you carry around, and it's the it's a thing. And it's pilots are really it's a it's a premise pilot. It's a premise pilot. By no means is our strongest episode. Uh, the show doesn't really get going until episode two, but it's I think it's a a pretty good setup. You. Get a, a sense of the characters. Jason Priestley is our is our star, and uh, you know he's. He, I think he did a really great. I think it's going to change his career. No one's ever seen <laughs> Jason Priestley like this before. Yeah, and th he's, he's actually quite chaste in the pilot. But uh, yeah, he's, he he does a really okay. good job. Great. All right, shall we watch it? Let's watch it. Okay. It very funny, a lot of good laughs. Yeah. How to feel watching it in front of a room with a room? Good, yeah. yeah. A couple laughs, which is was good. Yeah, yeah so very good response, very in, in, engaging and engrossing. So, um, tell me, let's just talk about your room a little bit, okay? Yeah. So, um, you you went, you got your production order. You had three scripts, is that right? Yep. And and then, um, how many people did? How many writers did you have working with you? Um, um, I think there were seven of us. Seven. Seven. Yeah, seven, including me. Yeah, seven and in addition to me. And so when you so and and you must have started working here and then moved out, or did you just? We started. We did five weeks here, and mm -hmm. then we uh, then I took three with me out to, we shot it outside of Halifax, uh -huh. and that was kind of the standing room. Uh, we didn't have every story broken, so we'd kind of ferry people in when their script came up and tried our best to uh, do it in person. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. And so, uh, so when you, you, like, you would, you sort of had a season when you started, right? Like, I mean, an arc for the season? Yeah, well, that was and actually, that, that was a big ordeal. We, yeah. Yeah, I mean the show is very, very heavily serialized, uh -huh. so um, we pretty much had to know where we were going and where we were ending up. Things changed a little bit, um, but 
We were pretty true to what we pitched out to the network before we started. Yeah, we, we stuck a couple stories. There's a couple floaters, but... And so... Oh, there's already a question back there. What was your casting process like? Casting process was a long and careful. Um, one, one of the, the great surprises, I mean, we were so focused on finding a good fits and then a great Larry because that really could have gone wrong in so many different ways. Um, but we were really fortunate. We also found a really great ensemble. I mean, every single one of our ensemble, they're super, super strong. Um, so we took, we took a long, long, long time to at choose what our time, people. At what point did you get Jason Priestley? Uh, well, the show was already greenlit. And we got him after the fact. So, um, yeah, we were told that, uh, you know, we didn't need a name actor, just cast the best possible person. And uh, his name came up fairly early in the casting process. Mm -hmm. And through a sort of series of fortuitous um, events, the script got into his hands. And he's friends with friends of mine who I just finished a show with. Um in Los Angeles, and it, uh, he was actually put up, put forward as a director before he was put forward as an actor, which is why I think he paid such close attention to the script. And then it all just kind of worked out. It all fell into place. Did he read? He read. He auditioned for it. He auditioned. Oh yeah, Ooh. yeah. Okay. Um, and was it close? Like, were there anybody else? No. <laughs> okay. Um, so okay. So getting back to um, to just the writing process a little bit. Um, uh, so, like, when you were breaking stories, what what was your process for that? I mean, did people come in with story ideas, um, or was it no. sort of much more based stories based on the arc? Yeah, no. I mean, we we you know we develop we develop we, it all came from. Uh, I mean, it seems so basic, but the stories really came from character. Like, how are we going to arc these characters through a season and make? you know, make them interesting and not make them grow too much because then it wouldn't be funny. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so it really it really start, it started with that, you know, just figuring out where we wanted them to go, where we could possibly take them, how we could really, you know, focus on our core group of characters and not have, uh, you know, the guest star of the week, which didn't really uh, work a couple times in this show. But what we found is if we really concentrated on the, the dynamics between um, – our main guys. So it was. So it was very char about character. So are there? Are there more? Is it? How much? How much car selling is there? Almost none. Almost none. So yeah. it isn't like a car of the week or anything. There's abs. There's is very little focus on selling cars. It's really about Fitz living a debauched life and Larry, you know, telling him why he's doing the things that he's doing. It's about a man who's lived an unexamined life. And for the first time, as someone is pointing out why he's doing what he's doing, where that comes from. It's very much about this family and how this kid was, um, Fitz being a kid, mm -hmm. uh, was, uh, you know, kind of neglected. His mother took off. His father's, uh, <laughs> you see his father. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what went wrong and how he can change it. And, of course, nothing ever changes. And, uh, you know, the great dynamic that uh, – happened between the Larry and the Fitz characters is that not only is Fitz not changing, he's dragging Larry down with him. So it's a real yin-yang, and it's about good and bad, and is there any difference, and do we really want there to be any difference, mm -hmm. and can a person change, and yeah, no, not really. <laughs> you can try, but uh, yeah. Uh -huh. okay, so, so every really story is really focused on that. I mean, if, I, if, if there was a thematic chord to every episode, it was about, you know, we'd choose an aspect of Fitz's character, for example, vulnerability. What's, what, what's vulnerability fits? It's time for you to try to be vulnerable. And, of course, shenanigans would ensue because of that. Uh -huh. Or uh, fits, it's time for you to have a responsible relationship. And, of course, that doesn't mean having sex with a brain-damaged woman, you know, mm -hmm. and then trying to cover your tracks. So we really tried to spin. So you, so you, you started that. your stories kind of from a place of theme and from... Completely from a place of theme. Uh -huh. you know, and, of course, then we'd forget about the theme and tell lots of jokes and then try to get back on theme again um, so we didn't feel too irresponsible, but, yeah. And did you ever think in terms of A, B, and C stories or any it, that way at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a pretty, I mean... Is there a pattern? If there's a common it? thread with the writers in my room, was we're all kind of structured Nazis and... Uh -huh. You know, the carpentry of it is, is, is really critical. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, once we kind of had that down, you know, I, I, I get yelled at for it, but I'm just like, what's your, what's your act break? 
if I know what the act break is, I can I can spin the story. So um, you wrote to the act breaks. Yeah, which is ironic because we actually don't have act breaks in right. this show. <laughs> but if I knew if I knew what my midpoint was, then I'd be able to figure it out. What's where do things change? Okay, and how so do but, we? So, but how many acts did you think about? Two. Two. Well, uh, we have pretty beefy cold opens. Uh huh. Mm. And then two acts. Two acts. Yeah. Interesting. Without the act. Right? And no commercial. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny. It's like no matter what, uh, you know, the, the, the middle of the story would always fall on page, you know, 13 and a half or 14. It, I mean, it always, it always works out. So, like, just give us some numbers. How many pages? How many scenes did you work with? Uh, we started out with scripts that were our scripts are they, they, there's they're pretty fast moving and mm-hmm. uh, we started out with scripts that were like 34 pages long and then we realized we couldn't shoot that much because we lost half a day of shooting like maybe a third into production because we realized it was too expensive to shoot a feature film every week. Um, so at the end of the day, I'd say we'd be averaging at 30, 29, 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many days was your shoot? We were shooting two episodes at a time in seven-day blocks. We started out with eight-day blocks. Mm-hmm. Okay. The pilot had a, had a bit more. The, I mean, the pilot's for sure, production-wise, the most ambitious because we had the crash. And yeah. Although we did blow a bunch of stuff up at the end. That was my that was my, that was my reward <laughs> for working so diligently that we blow some shit up. Yeah. That's good. You must have kept your kept inside your budget. Then. That was very good. <laughs> uh, did you uh, so like wh- what did you do? Did, did you take like p- uh, p- paragraph pitches or something for every story to the network before? Oh, anything? this is the best thing. Yeah, I, I, I very early on I established some ground rules. Um, Usually, you know, you're giving to the network, you're giving the story idea, and then you're having the irritating phone call, and then you're writing your treatment, which really are, I find treatments kind of bullshit in, in TV because you, they change so much as you're writing your draft, especially in comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said very early on, you know, I know you guys are really swamped, and you've got so many shows on the go right now, so I'm going to try to make it really easy for you, and I'm going to send you a one-page story synopsis and then a draft. And they were like, oh, God bless, work for us. So they didn't, yeah. So, okay. So. <laughs> yeah, so, so we would break the story pretty diligently in the room, but we, that means we could, like, beat it out, throw it, on, throw it up on the board, put it through, you know, the ringer a little bit, and then boil that down um, into a page, or rather, Jeff so Shetsky would boil it down to the page, into so a page. You, so you broke it first. We'd break it first, then we'd do a page, and then send that off. And uh-huh. uh, But by the time sometimes they got back to us, we'd already be at draft. And did you send them your first drafts? No. No, God, no. Um, no, we'd, we'd uh, put those drafts through. There'd probably be four or five drafts before anyone ever saw them, even, even my fellow uh, non-writing executive producers. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I just don't want to bother people with stuff that's not ready to read because it's just not ready to read. Right. So they'd be pretty tight by the time they went out. And uh, the draft that would go out, had you already put a pen on it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It would have gone through my computer already. So you, so nothing went to the network that you hadn't? No. No, and, and in some cases it wouldn't be. It would just be, yeah, I don't like saying Smash 2. You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's get rid of that because that's sloppy. Sometimes it would be, you know, a bigger rewrite. But the truth is, as a showrunner, when you're in production, I didn't have time to completely tear scripts apart. I had, mm-hmm. you know, really strong people in my room. And, you know, my second was uh, very good. And, um, you know, I was able to pass them, like, give very give notes, pass off for any kind of structural shenanigans. And then I would do one last pass before it went out. And then it would go out, and then it would become a production draft after that? We called it a table draft, uh-huh. which is something that we – then we would take that to uh, a read-through situation with our actors. And, you know, our, our cast was so fantastic. They – you know, even we said, well, you know, it's kind of at lunch, and we know you're really tired. But they – everyone showed up diligently to those table reads. we do a table read and then do, um, you know, punch-up pass. And then it would become a production white, and then that would that would go out. And that would go out. Yeah, we would send the table draft to the network. That's what they would get. Anyone out there got some questions? What was the, uh, what was the biggest challenge you ran into when you were going through to break the story? Did you run into a problem where you couldn't figure out how to solve it? 
Not really, no. I mean, uh, time becomes an issue when you're in production. That's always, you know. Sometimes that worked out, you know. It, 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 you know, the biggest problem would be that we'd be freaking out. But a lot of the time when we were really under the gun, we came up with our best stuff. You know, we'd, we'd put a draft through the ringer really quickly, and it would just kind of flow. And, you know, it would be like, okay, we can't shoot outside on this day. Such and such of a cast member is not available, you know. And then we do it really quickly, and it would just – there was an effortlessness that happened as the season progressed because we really knew how the pieces worked. Um, yeah. Does that answer? Yeah, pretty scarily close, you know. It's it's pretty it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Did you find that further development uh, informed the pilot memory at all, or was it just something fairly fairly you know, basic to the pilot Well we didn't shoot a pilot first, so we didn't really have that opportunity. I mean, we did not sh we didn't shoot them in order. I mean, I tried to push the production of the pilot as late as I could into the first block of shooting. Um, it didn't quite work out that way, but I mean, ideally, you want to be shooting your pilot fifth up because then your cast is really rock solid, and we were really we were really like everyone was very strong out of the gate, but um, uh, yeah. We were fighting weather too, so we really we had really to shoot it quickly before it the weather weather started. Well, you could see the skies were a little bit gray. Um, uh, so, so you, so what did so so you shot two first? How how late did you shoot? We did a block of three. Yeah. Uh, for the first block. Yeah. And then two blocks of two after that, and we would stagger them. Uh huh. So you you got to the pilot in the second block. No, end of the first block. Yeah, the first block. And so the first block. third or so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same director. And, and so, but how much? How much did did the role change when it when Priestley came in, or did it, or was it still? Priestley's very much like this guy. I mean, he doesn't have he doesn't have the mean <laughs> part, but he's he's really he's this unbelievably super fun, charming guy who. You know, just walks right up to you and speaks to you an inch away from your face and is like, hey, I'm Jason. Mm -hmm. He does that. I'm like, Jason, stop hypnotizing me. And mm -hmm. he, he's just, he's, he's that kind of confident guy. I mean, yeah. he's not the ass, he's the opposite in terms of the asshole because he's the sweetest, sweetest man ever. But um, he had that kind of swing. I mean, he totally. So he, yeah, he so he really, right into it. he totally inhabited the, the, your, your original vision. Completely. And there was no, no adjustment to make the role for him. Not really. That's that's kind of lame. But <laughs> no, maybe it, it's my own lack of. Uh, but 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 my own stubbornness not not to adjust things. And, and but, laziness. But it must have also given you um, confidence because you had a really seasoned television actor who could really do whatever you asked of him. Yeah. So completely. Did, so did did he it was a real leader that way. Did it inform the re how you wrote the rest of the season? You know, like that. Well, it did in that I wasn't sure. Uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, this is really the 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 the, the, the tamest of all of our episodes, um, and I wasn't sure. I was a little nervous whether or not he was going to be able to go there. You know, because we get him doing some pretty outrageous things, and uh, I just wasn't sure if he was going to be shy or trying to be protective of his, you know, kind of apple pie image, which he's had for years. Mm -hmm. And uh, we pretty soon realized that he was actually more comfortable walking around in his underpants than <laughs> not. Like, absolutely. It became a challenge in the room. What can we make Jason do today? And he would do it. He just, he just absolutely did it. And knew every single line and was the first person on set and complete professional and just a, a, yeah just a joy because could I said that to him I'm like Jason you really could have been an asshole so <laughs> I'm really glad you're not yeah okay and so um the network was you know good with all the outrageous stuff well, you know, they gave us the speech early on, you know, we really, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, push things, we'll pull you back, you know, don't worry, we're, you know, and they, yeah, they, um... Did they ever pull you back? No. 
And what about you guys? You guys were okay with the the rake pushed to the edge? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys. The, the thing that I love that Jason really brought to the part, which was also really critical, and it speaks to that, is your character going to be likable note, um, is that he really has a vulnerable quality about him. He really has a little boy kind of lost quality about him. And he, it didn't matter what he did um, in this show, he still kind of had that, you want to, you want him to get better, you want to give him a hug. You know, yeah. And that was critical to find someone who could do both, who could do both. So. Can you talk about some of the production choices you made in terms of the look and feel of the show, the sound, you know, the sort of swing and feel to it, and how you came about, came about that and what went into it? Um, well, we when we started talking about the look of the show, I mean, I, I kind of I wanted to make a show that looked like if the, if the Coen brothers made a TV show. And... Uh, you know, that was, um, we knew that it would be a little more expensive and that we wouldn't be moving as fast as a lot of budgets um, allow, especially on a Canadian TV show. But we were really super careful about staying true to that. Um, the music was also a big issue that was discussed ad nauseum and I think is still being discussed because, uh, you know, Fitz, he, he's, he's like a, a sad late 60s Vegas knockoff guy. And I knew that I wanted to have a really kickin' soundtrack. And people would be like, well, is that cool enough? And I'm like, okay, well, if you're asking that question, then you might not be that cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we put a lot of thought and time into choosing a music supervisor who knew the era, composers. They like Some very heavy-duty jazz dudes did our soundtrack, which is just kicking. It's fucking awesome, our soundtrack. And we uh, were working with a, a vocalist, um, uh, Matt Dusk, who yeah. is awesome. So he sings all the vocals. Oh. Uh, we aren't in, this aren't in this right now because he's still, yeah. Well, we've got, we've, got, we've got sync rights to everything that's in here. We've got sync rights, too. So we just re-recorded with a big band and Matt's singing. Um, so we've got him. And he's in Nashville right now mastering some of our stuff. Nashville, which makes no sense, but <laughs> to him it does. Um, but the greatest musicians. Greatest musicians. Yeah, and we did, we did some of the big band record here just last week. And so that, that was really fun. I was absolutely useless sitting there in the studio. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go now and let you guys do your thing. Um, we wanted to ha well, I wanted it to have a sweep to it. Like, a, like a, a, I wanted it to feel... Uh, organic and holistic and of a piece. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully we've achieved that. We also use some, you know, really fun, bad 80s needle drops too. So that's coming up in a few episodes down the line. Okay. So what about how you divided your time between set and everything else that you had to do? Well, we were really lucky um, because our set – we had a set, you see the dealership. We also had uh, right next to uh, that, it's an existing dealership that we rebuilt uh -huh. and gutted out and turned into our set. And next door to it was an, um, an empty electronics warehouse that we turned into our studio. Um, so we built all our standing sets right next to us. And we, we had our own mini back lot. And we used every inch of uh, this little suburb. You know, there were like old sheds out back that would be like the abandoned place where Larry may not have lived at one point. You know, we right. really kept everything within, you know, a bin roll. Um, and uh, so your time. I was able to split my time. I was able to run back and forth would really, you, really easily. Do you feel like you, you, do you like to be on set for most of the shooting or how's your, what's your feeling about that? Um, I kind of feel that if I've done my job, I don't need to be on set that much. I was on set a lot because it was first season and I was neurotic. And I like to be there uh, for a call every morning because I just thought that that was a, a good, you know, show of <laughs> – I was very appreciative of people getting up that early and coming to work on my mm -hmm. 
you know, little show. So I thought that was really important to show up and I would hang out for an hour and just say hello to everybody and have a coffee and, you know, then I would go to the room, check in with the guys and, uh, you know, spend half the day there and do any calls that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then check back in on set, you know, when needed. And what, what do you, what do you feel about, um, how closely the actors have to stick to the script? Um, they were pretty good about sticking. They were pretty, yeah, they were pretty good. And and how do you feel about it? Like, do do you have a, a rule or? Um... I think my only rule is that they need to talk to me first and not be making script changes on the floor because that's a real time suck. Right. That's just a real time. That's just this. It's not a. I am drunk with power and you must run everything through me. It's just it takes a lot of time. So if there's any script issues, we had our drafts out early enough in advance that, um, and we our table reads that everyone diligently showed up to. So if there was really any issue, um, you know, we would kind of talk about it in advance. I mean, but previous <coughs> to, uh, yeah, actually being there. Um, Brooke Nevin, who is here, who plays Sonia, she's... Up. She, you know, we had we had quite a healthy email exchange. If you, there was any questions you ever had or little character issues, you know, we would deal with it. And uh, you know, most of that stuff was um, taken care of so that it didn't get in the way of our crew doing their job on the day. So, uh, when, what are you, where are you in the process? You're, are you don't. This is your only finished show so far. Um, well, we've got thirteen locked cuts. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the first. We just started, you know, mixing. So this is the first one that's almost finished being mixed. But um, they're coming fast and furious. We have to get uh, four or five ready for MIP because we're taking this show. We're launching it at Cannes. And uh, should we leave on the 9th? So I need to have five in hand. That's a, that's a, just a temp opening credit sequence. We're still speaking to companies who are pitching us ideas for the opening sequence. That's just something that we cut together um, as a placeholder. But, yeah, so that's, that's where we're at. And, and, and starting to think about we planted lots and lots of seeds for uh, uh, future storylines. And, and so uh, do you have an air date? Uh, they, I believe, uh, it's it's end of August. They're pairing yeah, us. Mike's shaking his head. This is probably all going to, yeah. <laughs> oh, fall. <laughs> fall. I, but they're still playing with Dale. This is, this, is when, this is when the suit kicks in here. <laughs> Have I gotten myself into trouble yet, Mike? <laughs> no, I usually do. Um, I think that they think they're pairing us with Eastbound and Down's launch, and they each, HBO keeps changing their mind about that show, so... Uh, well, that's yeah. interesting. We're that's an interesting combination. It's kind of an interesting combination. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Oh, okay. I can see yeah. it. Um, Lisa the Rabbit and, and Larry dressed up as the rabbit. That kind of surreal imagery. Is that woven into the entire series? Yep. Or yep. It's a big arc that runs through. That and the crash, the, 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 the Babs in the coma arcs through right to the end. Um Girl Scout arcs right through the end. She becomes rogue after episode one. <laughs> so it's just uh, Kara, the junior survivalist, on her own. Yeah, wow. but she, she's, she's out to bring him down. And there's a, the romance arc with um, – I can't tell you guys the secrets. You have to watch. <laughs> Stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. More questions? Yeah. Because I'm so charming. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I think it's just, it's like the, the premise of the show is really simple. It's, it's just a very simple premise. And I think people were able to wrap their heads around it. Oh, I get it. Wow. Okay. They can see the potential. I mean, as with anything that you're pitching, I mean, it's, it's all about, it's not just having a good pitch or a good pilot. Because honestly, the pilot is always the weakest episode of any series. Um, it's networks uh, and their bo- network heads and their bosses being able to see the potential for future episodes. That's kind of 99% of it. How much of that were you thinking about at the time? Or practically thought about more after the fact? Oh, no, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think I would take a pitch out unless I was – because they call you on it in the room. And so what would – how would you say, you know, they throw stuff like that at you? So – and, uh, you know, what would happen at the end then, or how would you see so-and-so? I mean, you need it's to have – It's going to in the second season. Well, they – that stuff can, gets thrown at you. Sometimes they're just not listening to you at all. I had a couple of those pitches with this show. Um, but sometimes they throw those questions at you, and you, you need to have answers. Like, you need to know your series intimately and what could potentially happen. And, you know, the dark, believe me, the dark, I've been in rooms before where it's, it's, it's dark days, man, when you're sitting in a room and you got nothing and you have no idea how to spin your premise. It's like, yeah, it was a good idea out of the gate, but if you can't crack story um, and you've got a draft due tomorrow, <laughs> I mean, it's, that's bad, 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 bad. More questions? Did you do any directing? I didn't in the first season, no. I, I probably will in second season. Too um, busy this uh, Yeah, it beginning. just, you know, it's it's it, it would have been hard. It would have been hard for Especially season. with two a block of two shows that that takes you away for a long time, right? Yeah, and the thing was Jason actually directed too. He's a he's a he's a pretty accomplished director and uh, you know, having both Jason and I out of commission um, and we were kind of booked back to back would have been um, would have been really tricky because he really kind of needed me and my eye on the floor while he was you know acting and directing so it was um now, did he have any script approval or um, did he have no 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 script no he just did really he? really you know trusted trusted the writing I mean you know to the point of we were doing our uh, EPK and uh he found out that our um, uh, online girl, Aline, who's so great, she's running around with her little camera and asking our actors to speak to her in character. And Jason, unwritten, so J and Jason found me, he's like, Elwood, you can't let us write our own stuff. We can't, we can't, we can't speak, and we can't, we can't write your dialogue. You need, if you, if you want us to speak in character, you need to sit down and you need to write, the, write these scenes. So he was very, very, very protective of script and me and my room and yeah he was really yeah he would not have changed a word without coming to me first not a word talk s something about the humor and and how you knew what are the what, do you, can you describe the humor can you tell me what makes a good joke for the show or god that's hard uh How'd you know the writers were the right writers? I didn't. It's a crapshoot. There was really of the of the entire stack of people, there was only one person in that whole stack who I had never met this person before, and I read the first page of their you know uh, original sample, and I was like, "This is this is who I want." This is the first person I hired. It's the first person who like locked them down. Um, you don't want to name names for us. Come on, we are. No, he'll kill me because he's so humble and bald and wears glasses and lives in Vancouver. <laughs> okay, we have no idea. Um, yeah, I mean, there were lots of, there were, you know, every, everybody was, but it's, 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 really, it's really a crapshoot. It's not a better or worse thing. It's just, you know, I, I don't know, for me anyway, I don't know why I write the way I write or why I think what is fine. I'm not one of these people who's going to sit around and, you know, decipher comedy. I actually think this show's really sad. Like, there's a lot of scenes in the show where you're crying. It's like really, it's, it's quite gut-wrenching sometimes. Um, but do you think that's part of comedy? Completely. Yeah, completely. Our strongest episodes are also the saddest episodes. I mean, this family is so fucked and they completely, you know, implode. Um, and it's, uh, yeah. It, it, I don't think that it's definitely the strongest episodes are also the saddest episodes and the funniest episodes. And, and do you have a philosophy about language? Like, there's a lot of fuck in there. Um, I, you know, my only philosophy about language is people speak the way they speak. If you write a character, this is the way these people talk. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, you know, just say fuck for fuck's sake, you know. Um, but this is the way these people speak. Mm -hmm. You know, like Brooke's character, Sonia, would never say fuck. She would say fudge or she would, you know, she would never, never, never swear. I, 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 it, I don't even hear it anymore, which is really bad because we were like, wow, it's really foul mouth. Um, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, but back to the writer thing, uh, just because I, I know that's a big question that everyone always has, like how do you choose the room and what's that critical thing? And it's, yeah, it's it's not a writer, a, a better or worse thing. It's just a specificity for for the show, you know. And um, also, you know, when you're, can, can I give a piece of yeah, small yeah. C career advice? Yeah. Um, having an original writing sample is unbelievably important. You know, it's it's almost impossible to tell what a person's voice is from a spec 30 rock you just can't do it it's you know even if it's brilliantly written it's like how do you know because you get tired it's like i'm already tired it's like wow you got to start thinking about second season already it's like i want to be able to hire people that can come in and i want to hear the fresh ideas and i want to hear people that can bring stuff to the table so that i can you know take a nap but you know some some showrunners tell me that what they want is they want to see that the writer can recreate someone else's voice. Well, then you get them to write a couple scenes for your show. Watch an episode, read a couple scripts, write a couple scenes. You know, some people don't want to do that because they're like, well, why should I do that? But that's the, really the only way that you can. And also that's the because test. the Writers Guild contract tells you you can't do that. I haven't asked anybody yet. <laughs> just yeah. sponsored by the Writers Guild of Canada. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's a good that, that's that's a that's a that's a good point. But but I'm in trouble no, now. But but uh, but, um, uh, but you know that that's so you. I mean, I don't hear that all the time. That you'd rather see an original, and you really want to know the writer's voice. You don't know, you don't, re I mean, that's a refreshing thing to hear. I would only hire someone off an original sample. I would never hire anyone. If they just say, well, all I have is a something, you know, based on Tina Fey's show, I would, I would say, well, show me an essay that you've written or a funny letter or if you're a playwright or, you know, published poet. Like, I just, I, what's, what's your sensibility? Then, then it's the true test. Can uh -huh. you replicate the voice of the show? But, you know... What are you as a writer and a human being and a person? You can be sitting in a room with this person for hours and hours. Like, you really, you don't want a robot. You don't want a minor bird. That's good. You're going to drink with these people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, are they interesting? More questions from out here? Okay, so now talk about uh, being in Nova Scotia. I mean, you weren't even in Halifax. You were outside Halifax. Yeah. Um, now, you, you have some roots there. Is that why you chose it? No, it was, a, it was purely a financial decision. They had a really great tax incentive, and um, that's why we went there. And did you have a local co-producer there? We did. Um, David McLeod from Big Motion, mm -hmm. who's a great guy. Um, and yeah. so we, was location critical to the show? Did, was it... Not really. I think part of, you know, one of the things I like about the show is that it could be, it's it's fictionally, you know, when I first wrote it, it was set in, you know, sub, a suburb of Atlantic City, you oh. know. Um, but really it's about the, the ugly, beautiful nature of any suburb. It's like big boxes, ugly corners, the weather's always shit, it's crappy, there's a lot of traffic, it's, you know, it's agent court. It's, you know, one of those places. It's, I think there's a universality to, um, and we just happen to find ours in New Minus, Nova Scotia. <laughs> and so how far outside? It was a slog. It was it's really far. Um, it's about an, an hour outside of Halifax, hour and 15 minutes outside of Halifax. We, we had to put up our crew. We put up our entire crew. And uh, and did you cast locally for? No. 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 So you brought every, and but you must have, you crewed up There were locally. one or two day players who we hired out of Halifax. Mm -hmm. The only reason being just the talent pool is smaller. Mm -hmm. Yep, Kara the Girl Scout, junior survivalist. She's from Halifax um, by way of Montreal. A um, couple people, but not many. So the tax break is so great that you can bring everyone out and house them. The, the, oh, yeah, the, that isn't that great, but the financial <laughs> no. Yeah. There's a big incentive last year. Big incentive? And... Do we know if there's going to be a second season? I'm not allowed point? to say. Not allowed to say. If there was a second season, would you go back out there? Everything's up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell that the network yelled at us yesterday? <laughs> 
So, but relationships have been good with the network? Really good. Yeah, they're great. I mean, they're absolutely great. I mean, honestly, this show is like the fucking holy grail. It's like, here, do your own cable show. And we're kind of not going to weigh in that much because we trust your vision. I was like, woohoo, you know, <laughs> let's go for it. You know, they were really, they were there when we needed them in a really major way and knew when to, you know, let me do my thing. And um, Would, yeah. were there any particular things that they pulled you back on or were, you know, were, were looking for from you? Did, you? did they have anything that they were particularly on? No, no. They really, no. I mean, they weighed in with notes at the end. Like, we had a post-mortem a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago, and it was, uh, you know, we could have, you know, we'd really like for you to send us, like, the mate, more made, uh, more substantial day players, you know, if you could just send those tapes to us before you, mm -hmm. you know, hire those people. Oh, you didn't, you didn't show them casting tapes for day players? No. <laughs> no, main main. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, in most cases it worked out. There's a you know couple of weaker links, but um, they were really great. They were really great, and just com just completely. It was the production. Yeah, the, I mean, you know, I said I this is this is my drunken speech that I gave my actors last week, but I'll give it to you guys now. Um, it was just you know. I, you know, I've just I've done a lot of shows where it's just been an absolute nightmare. It's just not fun, yeah. and it's like a drag. It's just like, oh my god, why am I doing this? Yeah, I think we all set out to be writers and creative people because it's better than working at a bank, you know. And you know, with this show, it's like, okay, I just want to have fun because you can't bank on the end product. Like, you have no idea whether your awesome TV show or even your shit TV show is going to be a success or a hideous, embarrassing failure. So. If the process, the process is all you've got, so you've got to make that the thing, and that's got to be fun and amazing and rewarding, and and then you just send it out into the universe, and you know you forget about it, and maybe something great will happen. You know, you just all you can do is like really, and also the the thing that I learned on this one is also how to say no. If I was like, well, that's you know, it'd be easier to do it this way. I'd be like, yeah, no, not so much. Let's do it the way that we decided we we're going to do it at the beginning, like for better or for worse, you know. That sounds great. Yeah. So, what about some kind of webs? Anything happening? Yeah, we're doing we're web? doing a web thing. Um, what's happening with the web thing, guys? Well, this is the year for it, yeah. we think, and maybe. Well, totally, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but with that desk attached now, too, we did some shooting of this recording uh, sessions, and it's, yeah, it's a lot of really great stuff. Yeah, and so what about you guys, Mike and Taysa, um, in terms of um, your um, your participation in reading the script? How, how involved were you in, in, in production? And, I mean, were you out there for the whole time? and? With one bathroom. Four and a half months. Yeah. <laughs> With one bathroom. Um, but we were, I mean, you know, whether we'd both be up there, if we were both be up there for um, we'll see. But, uh, but I think it was super important for us. This is our big first period as well, and we were really pleased to support Sherry. And we kind of joked that we were kind of like the perfect trifecta, the three of us, that we could always sort of, one of yeah. us would always be somewhere. And were you on set? Yes, on set lots. We were often tag teaming on the desks, sharing the office on the floor. It was a good little community that we had because everyone was close because it was like maybe camp at home. We were all away from our homes, so we didn't have to go to school. 
So it, do you think that in itself is a reason to go away, like that you're just sort of all immersed in it and you have no other responsibilities? Yeah, it's really, I mean, it, you, you, there's nothing else to work for. That's all you're doing. You're just doing what you're working. And everybody bonds and gels in kind of a, yeah. that camp way. Or yeah. doesn't. Helen, it's come out good. Congratulations to you. Does anybody have any more questions? Yeah. I have a question. Uh, since you guys were doing so far, did you have any post facilities in the No, we're doing all the post here. Okay, so it wasn't. Yeah, well, we, we, had our, we, had our, we had our editors. We had our picture editors, but everybody else is, everyone else is here. Because if there were any questions about how it was coming together, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, so I split my time between the writing room set and the editing. Anything else from out here? Okay. Is it true what your IMDb page says that you're an aspiring bass guitarist? Absolutely. <laughs> if anyone's looking. Um, electric or stand-up? Electric. Electric. Yeah. Okay. Very good. I didn't know that either. Obviously, we haven't looked at your IMDb I don't think I've looked at it in years either. I should probably change that. It's so lame. Okay, well... This, uh, congratulations. Thank you so much for coming. This is hey, thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at writerstalkingtv at gmail.com. This podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Writers Guild of Canada with Techno Know How by Philip Vukovic. I'm Jill Golick reminding you to listen to David Mamet and make every scene dramatic. <laughs>